more time. Lift your hands with me. Jesus is worthy of all the honor. He's worthy this morning of your whole heart. We surrender all again in the presence of Almighty God. We, we surrender to you, Lord. We thank you, dear Father, that you came for each of us to set us free. Oh, we love you, Lord. We love you with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength, with all that's within us. We love you. And that's because you first loved us. We thank you for it, Father. We thank you for your love. It never fails. It's from everlasting to everlasting. Your love, dear Father. We thank you for it. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. You take your seats. Glory to God. Jesus is alive. Amen. He is Lord. He is Savior. He is awesome. God is moving all over the world. And we're thankful to be a part of what God is doing. Good to see everyone. Are you blessed? Say amen. Hallelujah. We're thankful for all of you. And we missed you while we were away. But it's good to be back. And thank you for all of you who shared your testimonies while we were gone. I tried to watch online, but the internet's just too slow. you up here testifying of God's goodness in your life, and we're so glad all of you who participated in that. Do you need to share your testimony? Tell your story? Talk about what God's done? Has he done anything for you? you have something to talk about. Talk about what he's doing. Is God doing anything? If you're unaware of what he's doing, then you're looking in the wrong places. God is moving. He is working. And that's true for each of us. And that becomes our story. Amen. Let me tell you my story. And then you go from there. What has the Lord done for you? People need to hear that. There's power in it. It's how you overcome. 
times God's people talk about all the wrong things. Talk about God's things. What God is doing. Let that fill your mouth. Fill your mouth with praise. So you're going to eat the fruit of your lips. So whatever's coming out of your mouth, that's going to be your lunch, your dinner. Whatever's coming out of your mouth, the fruit of your lips, you're going to eat it. So you better say what you want. Talk about the promises of God, the goodness of God. The love of God. The power of God. This is what fills our lips. And that's the fruit we enjoy in our lives. So thank you again for sharing those of you who did. And be ready for next time. There's another reason our testimonies are powerful. get some understanding of that from the book of Revelation. I want to show you this verse in chapter 19. Just real quick and then we'll get on to what the Lord's put on my heart. Revelation chapter 19 toward the end of verse 10. Being says, worship God. Well, this might be an angel or something. It says, worship God there at the end of the verse. And then it says something about the testimony of Jesus. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When you testify, when you testify of Jesus, that's why there has to be, like Jesus should be in your testimony. You know, your testimony isn't like, oh yeah, well I woke up this morning and I had eggs and toast for breakfast. How, how many of you bear witness with that? Did you have eggs and toast for breakfast? Pretty common stuff, right? But there's no power in that testimony. You gotta have the word in your testimony. You gotta have Jesus in your testimony. And and when when Jesus is in your testimony, then it's the testimony of Jesus. And the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Why is it the spirit of prophecy? Because prophecy is encouragement, exhortation, and comfort to the hearer. Okay? 
it's a, it's, it's a prophecy from God when it builds you up. And that's what testimonies do. When we hear them, we get encouraged. We're exhorted. It brings comfort. And that's what prophecy does. Prophecy is to speak those things to people. Encouragement, exhortation, and comfort. And so when we testify, we release that to those who hear us. Because if God could do it for you, he could do it for me too. That's prophecy too. What's coming? What's ahead? Well, if God could do this for you, then I can expect that for me. When you testify of God's power in your life, somebody needs healing, if somebody needs peace, or wisdom, or, or favor for anything, and they hear that God did it for you, then that becomes a prophecy for them. Amen. Now, some people, they listen to others' testimony, and instead of getting happy, they get mad. getting happy about it, rather than rejoicing. Sometimes people do the opposite. They'll, they'll complain, or they'll get, they'll get discouraged. But look, if, if you know that God can do it for you too, then you can rejoice. God bless you. That's good. God bless you. And I just believe blessings are coming to me too. If God can bless you, He can bless me too, right? Amen. And so we can expect that in our lives. And again, that's why it's so important that you share what God's doing. Not only does it help you to be an overcomer, but it helps everyone who hears you. Amen. Fill your mouth with good things. Let his praise be on your lips continually. Enjoy that fruit in your own life. And then help others get a prophecy for their life too. 
Amen. Thank God for the testimony. The testimony of Jesus. It's the spirit of prophecy. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, you can open your Bible. Turn to Acts chapter 10. We're going to spend some time in Acts chapter 10. And this is leading up to something we're going to look at in the next few weeks. God wants us to become more aware of some things. And sometimes in this life, surrounded by all the natural things, it's easy to miss spiritual things. Did you know that you are a spirit? But you live in a natural body. And, and many times it's natural things that dominate our lives. We become all consumed with what we see. The things that we feel. All the natural things. Because we live in a natural We're not careful, we'll miss spiritual things. We'll become dull to the things of the Spirit. And so God wants us to become more aware. You don't see the real you. When we look at each other, we just see the body. But that's not the real you. And that's why the Bible says to know no man after the flesh. Don't know people just by what you see outwardly. There's more to you than meets the eye. Even in this room right now, you're not, you don't see them, but there's angels in this room. We're just not always aware of that. You, you probably didn't realize when you were walking down the mountain surrounding us, helping us, working on our behalf, but sometimes we're, we're not aware of it. We get so focused on problems, natural things, what we need, all this stuff just consumes our lives. And many times we're unaware of what God's doing. 
But everything God has ever done depended on man. It depends on what you do with the instructions he gives you. chapter 10, verse 1, mentions this, this man. And notice it says there was a certain man. A certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius. A centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment. Developing in your spiritual life. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius. And you just got to put yourself in the story. There's a certain woman in Sandor named Shova. Amen. A certain man, a certain woman. A certain boy and girl in a certain place, known for certain things. He was the centurion. Yeah, that was his job. He had responsibilities. So what are you known for? It's worth considering. That doesn't mean we have to be so overly concerned with what other people think of us. But it is worth considering. What do people think of you? And are there examples? 
adjustments I need to make in my life. It's worth considering. Even Jesus asked his disciples, Who do men say that I am? What are they saying about me? What's, what's their opinion of me? He wanted to know. And it was most important to him what his disciples said about him. But maybe you ought to think of it for yourself. What are people saying about me? Amen. Not to provoke you to fear that. Okay, but some self-examination is a healthy thing. The condition of my heart is important. And that influences everything that comes out of my life. Okay, what was he known for? This is so incredibly powerful. Look at verse 2. There's four qualities here mentioned about him. Number one, it says he was a devout man. A devout man. And we're going to come back to that. Number one. He was a devout man. Number two, he feared God. What else? With, well, it also mentions with all his household. That's an important point. He didn't just fear God all by himself. But he influenced his entire household. the Lord that he had, the devotion of his life, it affected everyone in his house. That's number two. Number three says that he gave all generously. Okay, so he was a generous man. He was a giver. He didn't ignore the needs that were presented to him. He did what he could. That was the quality of his life. And number four says that he prayed to God always. Okay, this was the certain quality of his life. who lived in Caesarea. He was a devout man. And, and that was the foundation. All these other qualities grew out of that devotion. He was devout. Devotion will lead to all the other spiritual activity in your life. The greater your devotion, there will be an acceleration of spiritual activity.
That would include angelic activity. And we'll read about that in this story. It's because he was a devout man. That was the foundation. The, the fear of the Lord grew out of that devotion. Being generous grew out of his devotion. His prayer life, that was the fruit of his devotion towards God. One of the meanings of devout is, is the word dutiful. It, it describes a strong sense of responsibility. It's my duty. Amen? What is your duty? See, to be dutiful is to know what I'm responsible for. And when I'm busy doing the things that I know I'm supposed to be doing, that's what it means to be devout. You become devout when you do your duty. Amen. You know, at home, I'm the breakfast cook. It is my duty. My duty. It's my duty. And I do it dutifully. What's your duty? Uh, you probably know some of your natural responsibilities. Right? It's important to do them. It's important to be responsible. You can't just be dutifully in the spirit. You know, some people think that they can be so spiritually dutiful that all the natural things get neglected. I, I, I can guarantee you, Cornelius wasn't like that. I'm sure he had his clothes were probably ironed and pressed real nice. He was, he could present himself to the community. Not like he was so busy praying I couldn't iron my clothes this morning. You know, so busy with all these spiritual things. You know, that's why my house is so messy. Is because I'm so spiritual. Wrong. Amen. There are natural duties. There are spiritual duties. We have to take responsibility on both sides. But this is what it means to be devout. To be a devout man or a woman is to know what you're responsible for. So, what are your spiritual responsibilities? What's your responsibility to the church? 
What's your duty in the house of God? Every one of you has something that you should be doing. And you should do it dutifully. Dutifully, dutifully. Amen. With all of your heart. Giving your best. Oh, 100%. Amen. That is to be devout. And unfortunately, there's not very many devout people anymore. saying that to challenge you, that you could choose to be devout. It just means I've made a decision. I'm going to do it. Whatever it is, whatever I'm supposed to be doing. And if I don't know what my duty is, then ask somebody. When it comes to the church, anybody in the church what can I do how can I help how can I serve give me a duty I don't just want to sit there your job is not chair warmer I'm a professional chair warmer at Embassy of Hope Church you can count on me every Sunday I'll be there I'll keep that chair warm That's not your duty. Amen. You might be busy doing something and your chair is actually empty. That's okay. There's people that are busy downstairs. Their chair is empty. Because they're fulfilling. They're fulfilling a duty. They're being devout in their duty. There's people who get here early every Sunday. They're here early because it's their duty to be on time. It's their duty. If you're devout, it means you're fulfilling your responsibility. Naturally and spiritually. And that foundation of devotion Every other quality of your life will grow from that. We, we fear the Lord because of our devotion to Him. We're generous because of our devotion to Jesus. We're prayer people because we're devoted people. A Gentile man outside the covenant of Israel. He was a man of the world. But yet he understood some things. And he had a, de he had a desire for the things of God. You know, he would have probably been more devout than a lot of Jewish people. Here's the danger. 
grow up in the church. Those who become familiar with spiritual things. We can lose our senses dutifulness. We begin to take things for granted. That this man, Cornelius, he was part of one of the greatest miracles of history. And it was all possible because he was a devout man who prayed to God always, who gave alms generously, who walked in the fear of the Lord with his whole household. He got his whole family involved in the things of God. That's your duty too. Your family needs you. You need to influence the people around you. Amen. Look what happens. In verse 3, about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. Okay, now here's that angelic activity. Here's the spirit world being revealed to him. Now suddenly his eyes are open. And he hears this angel announce to him. God is speaking now to this angel. What an amazing moment that must have been. Man, God just said my name. Like this angel just spoke my name. Amen. You know, God wants you to hear some things too. That, that doesn't mean we're like, Waiting for some voice from heaven. Oh God, don't you know my name? God, don't you care about me? See, Cornelius was just busy doing what he was supposed to do. And people, sometimes they're waiting for some special moment in their life. Don't wait for special moments. Just live for God. Be devoted to Him. And He will surprise you. Sometimes when you're least expecting it, You'll just follow the example here of Cornelius. Just be devoted. It was about the ninth hour. 
3 p.m. That's verse 3. 3 o'clock in the afternoon. He saw clearly in a vision. Now I can only imagine he was probably crying. He was seeking God, 3 p.m. And being a devoted man, that was probably his routine. Just like yesterday. Just like every other day for the last several years. Right around that time, Cornelius is somewhere seeking God. Maybe he has a special place where you meet with God there every day at 3 p.m. Okay, but this time, the angel spoke. His spiritual eyes were open. He had an encounter with God. And it, it would change his life. It would change the course of the entire world. Verse 4, when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? That's verse 4. So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. See, he was just faithful day after day after day. Because of his prayer life, and because of his giving, he was building something in the spirit. And God says it's like a memorial before me. Don't stop praying. Don't stop giving. Don't stop your devotion to the Lord. Don't stop. You are building something in the Spirit. It's like a memorial. Okay, and God sees, and He knows, and He remembers you. He hasn't forgotten about anybody. He knows what He's doing. You just need to do your part. You understand? You can't do God's part. Do your part. And so now God gives him some instruction. Verse 5. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. Notice the instruction. Every miracle begins with following an instruction. And many times there's a series of instructions before you get that miracle. So it's very wise for you to listen to the Lord's instruction. Here, God instructs him. 
Send them to Joppa. Send for Peter. He's lodging with Simon, a tanner who's housing by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. Who will tell you? The man that you're being sent to will tell you. Why doesn't God just tell me what to do? You ever wonder that? Like, why doesn't God just tell me? Well, you have to do something in order to find out what you're supposed to do. That's just the way it works. For you to ever know what you're supposed to do, you have to do what God already told you to do. Follow those instructions. Do that, and it will lead you to what's next. And he'll tell you what you need to do. Why doesn't he just tell you directly from heaven? Maybe he will. But maybe his voice will sound just like my voice. somebody else in your life. If you can't listen to me, who's to say you're ever going to listen to God? Right? God will speak to you. He will tell you what to do. If you'll just do what he already told you to do. That's your duty. He's about. Verse 7. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. Now more people are getting part of, they're becoming part of this miracle. No mystery why certain people are chosen and others aren't. Cornelius was a devout man, devout, and he chose a devout soldier. Somebody who's faithful. Somebody who can be trusted. Those are the kinds of people that are chosen. Am I trustworthy? Do I keep my word? Can people count on me? See, that's part of the devotion of my life. And those qualities qualify. Verse 8, when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. You have to read the rest of the chapter to find out what happened. 
but I will say this visitation from God it sparked a move of God that continues to this day. This, this one visitation between God and the man, a certain man, it led to the Gentiles coming to Christ. And you can read about that in the rest of this chapter. Everything God wanted to do in Yangtong, or Sikkim, or India, the move that God wants to accomplish here in this place, and just like He did here, it all begins with individuals who understand their responsibility. Individuals who will devote themselves if you'll do it, if you'll just be devout, okay, and maybe you already are. God bless you. Don't stop. Maybe there's some things that need to change. That's okay. Holy, the Holy Spirit will help you. Just devote yourself. And I want to encourage you to do that like never before. That you would be known as an individual who is devoted to God. have a good example here with, with, with Cornelius. Just in these few verses, we find a bit of a pattern for our own lives. Amen. Four things. Devoted, fearing the Lord, generous, and prayerful. Just four things. Amen. You can build your life on those things. If you'll do it, then God will use you. And there's no telling how many people could be blessed because of you. Every Gentile believer today could thank Cornelius. for being devoted to God. Thank you. Even when it wasn't easy. Even when it didn't make any sense. You were devoted. Amen. We don't know the backstory of his life. He was a soldier. Who knows what just happened? 
the friends of his, his might have been killed in battle. He had his own hardships, but he was devoted to God. his life, changed the world. Amen. You can stand with me. I, I want to encourage you in your own devotion. And devotion has to do with your daily life. Thank you, Jesus.